For years, the East County city of Santee has tried to fix its image. Racial incidents have occurred in the community, earning it the nickname Clan T. Local leaders have been trying to prove that these monikers aren't representative of the community, but two recent incidents have made that more difficult. A man went shopping in a Santee Vons wearing a Ku Klux Klan hood, and another person wore a mask adorned with a swastika. During this pandemic, racial and anti-Semitic actions are particularly troubling because economic downturns and other disasters have preceded systemic targeting of minorities in the past. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is a special live episode of your San Diego News Fix. Karen Perlman, you cover East County for the San Diego Union-Tribune. Let's start with what we know. What exactly happened in that Vons in Santee? So there was a man shopping um, in the Vons in uh, Santee on Mission Gorge Road who was wearing a Ku Klux Klan hood that was seen by several people, and it was posted on social media. I first saw it on Facebook. Uh, It happened on a Saturday. And uh, a lot of people were posting it and commenting about it. And I let my editors know that this was happening and that it was a thing because people were calling out this guy and saying, why didn't somebody make him take it off? There were several photos uh, of him in different areas of the store, always with the hood on. Mm -hmm. So basically, he just kind of shopped. Did anyone ask him to take it off? What exactly happened when he was in the store? I believe that the clerk, when he got to the register, asked him to take it off. And I believe that he did and paid for his groceries and left. But he had been walking through the store with it on. And uh, several shoppers took photos so you could see him in different areas of the store still wearing it. And it wasn't until he was at the register, I believe, that he took it off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does seem that this man was trying to provoke a reaction. What do we know about that? Because it seems like, you know, it kind of achieved that goal. People knew about it moments after it happened because of social media. Right. It was quickly uh, disseminated all over social media. People were commenting about it and basically saying, um, most of people were saying that I saw this shouldn't happen here. And they were very upset about it and wondering, um, you know, what the sheriffs were going to do. If there was going to be some kind of... Uh, the city was going to make some kind of reaction or statement to it, uh, basically calling out the store, saying the store should have done something, and just wondering what what to do going forward. Mm-hmm. And when you give us a little bit of background about problems when it comes to you know hate imagery and racism in Santee, how did that moniker of Clan T come about? So Santee has come a long way since the 60s and 50s when there was a lot more um, skinhead action out in the city. And there were uh, a group of people that were associated with Nazis uh, that were living here at the time, I believe in the 60s. I was talking to somebody who's lived here a very long time, whose family's been here since the 40s. And things have changed a lot since then. So Santee tried, has tried over the years to sort of shake that image. And in fact, last year they hired a company to rebrand them, to give them a new um, name for themselves, Uh, not just getting rid of Clancy and it's also been called Santucky, just to kind of talk about little backwards, you know, behaviors that have gone on here over the years. So this rebranding campaign was trying to get rid of that. And they came up with this name, Do More, Do East. So it's like D-O-M-O-R-E and then D-U-E, 
the word East. So it's kind of like a look at Santee moving forward, trying to get away from these names. And Santee is celebrating its 40th year uh, as an incorporated city this year, too. So there has been in the past a, quite a bit of racial, you know, unrest, but that's been a long time since there's been problems. I was looking at some uh, studies about uh, hate crimes in Santee, and their last years that they have uh, documented were from 2014 to 18, when there were only six hate crimes. And I did kind of a dive into that for a story that I've been working on. Um, two of them, two of the uh, hate crimes were against African Americans. One was against somebody who was gay. Another one was an Asian uh, or Pacific Islander. And another was a Jewish person. I think that's six. I don't know. I might have missed one. But basically, um, the city has kind of taken it uh, it's lumps with racial uh, unrest when really the problems are widespread. It's not just in Santee. And they've really tried to clear their name over the years in many ways to show people that it's not like that anymore here. Mm -hmm. So when thinking about it kind of broadly and, and, you know, the history of Santee itself, how much of this kind of name calling do you think is just the fact that, you know, it was a relatively new community you could afford homes there so people with less money move there, you know, earlier than other areas. You think that's a part of the kind of name calling? I'm not sure. From what I've understood, Santee, because it's sort of a, uh, a bedroom community next to San Diego, uh, people hid out here a little bit and weren't as noticed, let's say, as if they were in the city of San Diego. So I think some of the people who were living here back in the, before it was incorporated, may have gotten away with a lot more, um, let's just say negative behaviors uh, toward other people than they do today. I think the city has grown a lot since those early days when it was kind of a new, uh, nobody really knew about it sort of place. Cause it was like that for a long time. And, and then I think once it incorporated uh, back in 1980, that things uh, changed. Santee was kind of on the map a little bit. And, and a lot of the, let's say, uh, people who were causing issues of uh, not getting along with others in their communities, whether they're lower socioeconomic or not, moved out um, mm -hmm. because Santee started building mobile homes and a lot of other housing came in. There was some military housing that came in. So it was starting to get more diverse and um, maybe a little higher socioeconomic class. And the people who were kind of spewing hatred and stuff were sort of um, kicked out, whether by their own or feeling uncomfortable here now that they weren't so much among, you know, people like them hmm. who, could, who could be hateful. Hmm. Certainly. And there was a second incident, one involving a swastika on a mask. Can you tell us what happened there? Uh, that was in another grocery store, uh, Food for Less, um, not too far from the Vons, but somebody, a couple, was wearing a swastika on their face mask, and they were pushing a baby in the baby's carriage through the store and uh, were stopped by sheriffs inside the store. And in the person, the man who was wearing the swastika face mask, he was videotaping it. It almost seemed like tried to get some... Um, notoriety or publicity with it, talking back to the sheriffs and basically saying that um, he wasn't about to take that mask off. Um, and nobody from the store, I believe, did anything about it at the time. Um, they did have some someone from the corporate comment about how, you know, it won't be tolerated. But I believe that they did walk through the store with the um, 
with their masks on. So that happened five days after the Vons incident. And some diving into the guy's background showed he was selling some hate material from a website, which I believe has been shut down. But he was selling shirts and whatnot with hateful message on messages on there. And so his kind of uh, activity was a little different than the Ku Klux Klan guy. I think this person may have been a little bit more um, pushy about uh, his agenda than the Ku Klux Klan wearing man uh, five days earlier. Mm -hmm. And what have local leaders been saying, uh, you know, in this past 10 days or so after this has happened? Because, you know, they've been spending so much money trying to rebrand the area. And then this happens in the middle of a pandemic. Like I've, I've seen this in national media as well. I imagine this is a setback for that. Yeah, everybody's pretty upset about it from the city manager on down to all the elected officials. And they're kind of scrambling, like, what do we do now? Uh, one of the things that they have here is a community orienting or community oriented police committee of 17 people who live in the area who are from different parts of the community who get together, uh, I think, once every month, uh, second Monday of the month and talk about police issues. So there was that uh, meeting on Monday, this past Monday, and the city council has on the agenda for their city council meeting tonight something about adding more people to that community policing group, which um, I think they're going to try to bring in some outside names, some outside people from outside of the community who are um, either with like um, anti-hate groups. Uh, I think one was a pastor from a church not in Santee, but somebody who can lend some outside viewpoints of it. Several of the um, city council people have come out very strongly against it and um, are kind of insulted that, you know, somebody would try to degrade the city because they've come such a long way in, um, in trying to change the way that people feel about uh, Santee. One mm -hmm. of the city council members gets out on his lawn at eight o'clock every night and does a big shout out with a megaphone and the neighbors come out and they're honking their horns and yelling and clanging on things with pots and pans and, and a spoon uh, yelling about whatever, you know, saying positive things for the community. So they've been talking mostly about nurses and doctors and um, public safety workers that are doing so much during this COVID situation. Uh, he actually came out and was yelling about, you know, Santee, this is no place for hate. We're not going to tolerate this here. So he's kind of taken a very strong uh, stand with his um, voice, literally, in um trying to bring some semblance of, um, you know, we're not, we're not going to tolerate this in our city, in our community. Mm -hmm. So there's been a, there's been a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's worth noting that a little bit over a year ago, uh, San Diego had a major uh, issue with hate with the shooting at the Chabad of Poway. And following that uh, tragic shooting, there was lots of discussion about, you know, how to bridge, uh, you know, divides within the community in the years since, have you noticed any changes in East County about how, you know, they discuss hate, be it, you know, racial hate or anti-Semitic hate or anti-gay hate? Uh, I haven't heard that much about it since now that this has happened, though. I think the conversation is going to get a lot more involved and I think more people are going to be talking about it because all the cities that I cover in East County are all 
uh, very, you know, they're close with each other and they keep mm-hmm. tabs on what's going on. And so I think this is going to make the conversation pretty much take a lot throughout the county. I know Diane Jacob, the uh, county supervisor for the area, District 2, has come out against it and has been making some statements about it. All the mayors uh, and several city council people that I've talked to from other cities are just, you know, pretty horrified about it. And even on social media, I've seen comments from people from other parts of the cities and uh, the county wide kind of coming to Santee's defense and saying, you know, this isn't what Santee is about um, and trying to figure out ways that, um, you know, you got to be louder than the voices of the minority of people who are you know, saying these hateful things, that this is not how East County is. But I haven't really noticed an uptick in anything because I think the status quo, people are so like overwhelmed with the COVID thing right now that I think a lot of the other issues going on in finances, all these other things that are troubling people have made, you know, this conversation not um, to the forefront, but it will be now, I can assure you. Uh, Everybody's talking about it throughout the whole East County and probably all throughout San Diego County, nationwide even, you know, all over. People are uh, very aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Certainly. And there is reason for concern because when things go sour economically, when, you know, people know people who died because of COVID, this is often followed by a rise in hate, be it, you know, against a certain group or something else. So it makes sense that local leaders are tense during this time. I want to say I talked to the leader of the local uh, ADL, Anti-Defamation League, today, basically trying to say, not trying to say, saying that everybody should pull together right now. It's more important than ever that the people uh, who are against this, which is the majority, should speak up and use their voice to say that this isn't going to be tolerated and we all have to stick together as a community to make sure that um, the, the minority of people that are you know, spewing these hateful words or acting out in public with wearing things that are um, hate, hate-inducing, uh, just show them that this is not going to be tolerated here, that we are not going to let you um, try to turn this into something that it isn't because the majority of the people are not this way. They are not um, interested in spewing hatred toward any minority group whatsoever. And I've talked to people, I've talked to African-American, Mexican-American, a Jewish person, several gay people, um, just different communities, Pacific Islanders and Asian, um, all throughout the communities. And you know, they're not about to let this go on um, without speaking their voice. Mm-hmm. Certainly during this time, there has been plenty of good by people all across San Diego County. And, you know, love is stronger than hate. You just have to, you know, provide more attention to the good news than the bad in this, I suppose. But, you know, the bad news has to be told. You can't mm-hmm. sweep it under the table. And in the media, it's hard because people are saying things like, you know, don't talk about it. You know, don't give them the publicity. That's what they want. And on the other hand, if you don't speak up against it, it's like it's okay and it's not okay. Um, So there's a very fine line that people who are in higher positions than I am can speak to how important it is to bring this into the spotlight, but carefully so that um, the people who are doing this don't take it as a way to get their names out there or their agendas out there, but just say that, you know, we're not going to let this, you know, overtake 
the good of the people and the kind kindness of people. Um, it's just really important that everyone um, kind of has a way to deal with this in, in a proper manner that isn't going to give these people too much um, positive, if it can be a positive, because that's what they're looking for. They want the attention. They want people to comment and social media likes and, you know, engage people in this conversation. So it's just important that we um, make sure people understand that, you know, we are going to call this out, but we are not about to give you um, any positive, you know, you know, anything that will give you a little bit of a push for your agenda. I don't think that that's, that is never what we want to do in the media. Mm-hmm. Certainly. It's just that our online infrastructure, social media and other medias is built to emphasize outrage one way or another. So it's kind of like we have to test the system whenever someone tries to espouse hate. Yeah. And, you know, with the courts closed right now, there's a, that that whole part of it, too. So trying to uh, get somebody, you know, into the court system um, for doing these hateful acts is very difficult right now because that's that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Certainly. All right. Karen Perlman, thank you so much. Thanks. Now your coronavirus update. San Diego County health officials broke down the underlying conditions of COVID fatalities. Of the 194 people who have died in the county, more than half had hypertension, more than a third had dementia or Alzheimer's, one in three had diabetes or heart issues, one in five had kidney disease, more than 10% had respiratory issue, 9% were immunocompromised, and 6% were obese. Most people had more than one of these medical issues. Despite that, the region's 14-day rolling average of positive tests continues its decrease. Of the more than 3,500 tests conducted yesterday, only 117 were positive. The rolling average is now 4.88%. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. We want to remind you that information is your first line of defense. The San Diego Union-Tribune is dedicated to bringing you the latest news in print, online, and on our podcasts. Right now, you can read our public health stories related to the coronavirus online for free without hitting the paywall. But you can get all of your news at your fingertips, wherever and whenever you want if you're a subscriber. Don't miss a story. Go to uniontrip.com slash subscribe. Until next time.